have something for you, Cassandra. You have something for me, Amanda. What do you have for me? It's Mr. Predicto. <laughs> what is that? Ask me a question, any question. Uh, is it like what kind of question? Does it have to be yes or no? I don't whatever know. You Just want. ask whatever you want. How many hummingbirds do you have outside? Highly doubtful. <laughs> he doubts there's any. <laughs> but there are so many. There were so many. He's right. They haven't been around in a minute. Interesting. Any other questions for Mr. Predicto? Not that I can think of, honestly. You ask a question. That is a likely outcome. It's likely what that you is? don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like a magic eight ball that talks to you. <laughs> yeah, but you have to wave your hand around it and then it goes off all crazy. It's really loud and it sounds awful. <laughs> it is really cheesy. I love it. It reminds me of those things that you see at fairs. Mm-hmm. And there I go, saying everything like it's a question. I noticed that a lot when I was editing the last <laughs> podcast. I was like, why is everything a question? Because you're from Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> badgers have really lucky claws? <laughs> should, you should probably bring them to a cathedral. Drunk witches! witches. Welcome. Welcome back. That's Amanda. And that's Cassandra. And we are two. Two. Drunk. drunk witches! witches. <laughs> <laughs> need, a little, need a little practice there. I don't know how you wanted it to be. Like, I, you say two, I say drunk, you say witches. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> nope. So today, what are we talking about, Amanda? Goddesses. Two in particular. Goddesses that weren't technically considered goddesses. They were not, actually. Or worship. Not in the sense that you think of when you think of goddesses like Athena and Aphrodite. Aphrodite. And Artemis. So who goes first? I think you you get to go first today. You want me to go first? I do want you to go first. I went first the last time and I've been waiting because we all know about mine. I've been waiting to hear more in depth about yours. I mean, we know about yours, but... But do we? But Stevie Nicks didn't sing about her. <laughs> That's true. She did not. <laughs> well, I have a story for you. Goody. And it's about Hecate. And it, it's not at all what I thought it would be. It's pretty interesting. Because, you know, Hecate is all the rage in recent years in the witchcraft community. There's all this information out there about what she symbolizes, how to honor her, and what offerings she might like. And also about when you might like to work with her. So, okay, fair enough. 
But then I see her depicted as one goddess, a goddess with three heads or even three bodies. She's a triple goddess of the sky and the moon, but then she's depicted with Hecate's wheel. She has torches and daggers and dogs, but then she also has cat-like animals and snakes and owls. Oh. And then she's in the sky, but she's a goddess of the underworld and the dead and ghosts, but also represents birth. Then out of nowhere, she's got these keys and it is the goddess of the crossroads. Then further out of nowhere, she's the queen of the night and witchcraft and magic and takes an interest in the affairs of the living, even though she wanders with the dead. So it all got kind of confusing and it seemed like people were just making her into what they wanted her to be to suit their needs. Although this isn't Uh. true, these are all qualities and symbols of Hecate. But that's what it seemed like to me, that people were just kind of making her out to be who they wanted her to be. So I wanted to understand, and I was pulled to her, but I didn't get why all of this information seemed so messy and incomplete. I wanted to know what all this meant on a personal level, so I started asking why. I wanted to get to know her myself, so I did a ton of research, and what I found was a journey of a wandering soul with a big heart and a strong moral compass with the balls to defy the rules that she thought were trash. Ha! Sounds like... Reminds me of you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like my thought upon the rules. Exactly. But she also had the wisdom and the cleverness to not only get away with it, but to attain goddess status. So, I present to you Hecate's journey. I'm excited. Me too. So as we delve in, just keep in mind that there are so many variances and all of these stories and different kinds of beliefs about it. I just, I decided to choose the one that, or the ones I should say, because there's so many that I chose the ones that resonated with me. That's what I did too. Because there's so many. It says this goes one way and then another story trails off and splits off into another way. And you're like, what is this? Yeah, go read a book. (laughs) Go read a book if you want to hear all the stories. Exactly. (laughs) Or all the versions of all the stories. There's so many. Oh, gosh. I figured if you really want to get to know someone and truly understand them, you want to know where they come from, right? Bottom line, Hecate is ancient. There are writings and depictions of Hecate dating back to the 7th and 8th century BCE. And some anthropologists think that there may even be evidence of her worship dating back even farther than that due to ancient ruins of temples and such that they have dug up. Not only that, but evidence that she was worshipped widespread like from Italy to Egypt, being depicted on ancient coins alongside Anubis, to Bulgaria and Greece, almost everywhere. Which makes sense to me when you think about how she's regarded oftentimes as this wandering, shape-shifting, spectral being. She has many names and many faces, but they all translate to roughly the same thing, being worker from afar or torchbearer. Worker from afar seems to also appeal to her wandering nature. So she's wandering through and she's this magical worker that comes from afar. Ooh. 
She appears in Egyptian, Greek, and Roman mythology. When things like this happen, where there are so many similarities found all around the world, especially so far back, it makes me think of that theory that's floating around out there about the gods and goddesses and creatures like being aliens. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I love that theory. It just, it makes so much sense to me. It does make sense. Interdimensional being. Yeah. By the end You're going to have weird alien dreams? <laughs> no, I'm going to look like that guy from Ancient Aliens where his hair is all crazy. And I'm just like, <laughs> Oh, you're going to look like the Ancient Aliens guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the documentary series where every time you see him, his hair is crazier and crazier because his mind is just blown. <laughs> like, holy crap, man. So where does she actually come from? Outer space. Outer space. Outer space. Outer space. Outer space. It's hard to track down because she's really old, even in mythology. So Gaia is the Earth, right? And that is her great-grandmother. And her cousins are the four winds. Though Hecate is an only child, her mother is a titan goddess. So somewhere along the line, she comes from Gaia, who bore the titans of the earth. Mm. So her mother is a titan. Her name is Asteria. And she is of the stars and divination, which makes her divination through the stars or what we know as astrology. Astrology. Yeah. So her mom, Hecate's mom, is astrology. Now, Asteria at one point was chased across the entire earth by Zeus and his sexual advances, because we mm. know how much of a manhole Zeus is. She ran across a whole earth to get away from him. She tried turning into an eagle to get away, but still he chased her. So Asteria turned into a quail and jumped into the ocean and became an island. Which makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, islands in the ocean are kind of like the reverse of the stars in the sky. Yeah. Made sense. Zeus decided that her tail was too hard to chase. So he turns his dirty little paws towards Asteria's sister, Leto, instead, who bears the twins, Apollo and Artemis. So they're also Hecate's cousins. But wait, oh. what about Hera? Well, she is just seething with anger about Zeus's infidelity, which she should be used to, but she always stays. Instead of being mad at Zeus, she gets pissed at Leto. And she sends a snake to chase pregnant Leto all across the land so that she may never find a stable or restful place to give birth. And Hera warns everyone, right? She's like, you do not take her in unless you want to be cursed or die. So Leto flees to the sea, following her sister Asteria's footsteps, except she's running from Hera, not Zeus, and she finds Asteria's island. And Asteria takes Leto in against all of Hera's warnings because she's an OG and very powerful. And we can see the beginnings of witchcraft coming to be through Asteria and her astrology. So she's basically challenging Hera. She's like, come at me, bro. And Hera backs down with some lame excuse like, Well, fine. I won't come after you because you escaped Zeus's advances. 
Like, it was the chick's responsibility to avoid Zeus's dong. Could the fuck? Oh, God. Get it away from me. <laughs> Could you imagine Zeus? Just flippity flapping in the fucking wind. Come here. Come, come. She's around with his dong flapping out. <laughs> Look what I got. Would you just look at it? Just look at it. For fuck's sake, Wayne, would you just look? (laughs) (laughs) Gross. So, whatever, Hera. Whatever. So, now that Asteria is clear of Hera and Zeus, and Zeus is kind of calmed down a bit, because Hera is probably over there throwing all the dishes at his head, you know, and Asteria meets a titan named Perseus, meaning the destroyer who is thought to be born of the dog star, Sirius, and the constellation Canis Major. So he's a titan born of stars and is Hecate's father. And her association with dogs starts to make a little sense. Hecate is actually born a titan, but also inherits the badass power of what we know today as witchcraft. And she's very powerful. So naturally, it's noticed Noticed by the gods and the titans alike. However, Hecate is kind of humble. She doesn't have the lust for power like the gods do. And she has a more human nature tendency towards empathy and judgment. She likes things to be fair and square. She was known to get involved with mortal affairs and bestow gifts and protection to people. But only if she thought they deserved it. And if she thought you were mean or had false intentions, she would send nasty quote-unquote, gifts. She has the ability to see the truth to the core of your real intentions and likes very much to get involved. So she doesn't necessarily stick her nose in, but she would wander and watch. And if she was called upon, she would get involved. But she would do what she thought was fair versus what her caller wanted her to do. People started calling on her and her powers to side with them during wars, and she would decide who would win. She can be a powerful ally and isn't above a good curse or a hex, but you better make damn sure that you're on the good side of that or she will turn on you. So, take take note, everybody. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick just to be a dick. Just don't be a dick. Be a dick for a reason if you have to be a dick. Because someone... Right. Stand up for yourself. Yes, that's the thing. But don't just be like, oh, I don't don't like her hair. I'm going to be mean to her. Right. So watch yourself. So because she was so powerful, she was respected by the gods. She wandered freely among the earth, the sky, and the sea, just being Hecate, doing Hecate things, bestowing good luck and fortune to hunters and sailors and farmers, until one day, war breaks out between the gods and the titans. This is where the god Zeus's titan father, Kronos, loses his mind and is mean and eats his children. Zeus wants to take the throne from his delusional titan father on Mount Olympus, and Zeus calls upon Hecate for her help. And Hecate was like, yo, your dad's gone crazy. And sides with the gods. Yo. Actually fights physically in the war. And this is where she gets her torches. 
from the Olympian gods on Mount Olympus. Makes sense. They give her these torches to show the truth, light the way into battle. Kronos is also a son of Gaia. So being a titan, and even though he's lost it, she is blinded with grief over this attack planned on her son, and she knows how powerful Hecate is. So she quick gives birth to this giant named Cletius. Cletius? 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 <laughs> He's closely related to Miss Cletus. <laughs> Just push that baby right out. Quick. She's like, whoop. Shot him out like a football. I bet you I can throw that football over that mountain range. <laughs> bet you can shoot this baby over that mountain range. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. You see him just... Now he's a star. Oh. So she... So she gives birth. She pops out, babe, Cletus, like, goddamn tater tot. <laughs> goddamn tater tot. <laughs> <laughs> He's a giant, though, right? <laughs> yeah, a giant ass tater tot. <laughs> she does this with the sole purpose of defeating Hecate. So she gave him the power to absorb all of Hecate's magic from her. They're in battle. Uh, Cletus. Can we just call him Cletus? Because this, I picture him looking like a Cletus-looking motherfucker. Go for it. I do, too. This Cletus guy. <laughs> he's seeking out Hecate. And he does. He absorbs all of her magic. But Hecate, being the rational being that she is, she's like, oh. Huh. And she uses her torches to set his hair on fire. <laughs> I imagine him with like this little tuft. Of- <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. Like kind of going bald. Like never, it never really grew in. Exactly, because he was just born. Yeah, he just shot out a Mother Earth's vagina. He still has the smegma of afterbirth on him. <laughs> I bet he ate his own placenta. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so as Cletus is burning alive, she gets her magic back as it's released from Cletus through the fire. So here's where she got the torches and why they symbolize the truth, guidance, and protection of magic. Protect that magic. Set your enemy's hair on fire. Especially if they have Cletus looking baby hair. <laughs> Moral of the story. Set your enemy's hair on fire. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes you just punch someone in the face. It doesn't always have to be a curse or a hex. Sometimes you just got to give them a good old whop. <laughs> One, two. <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, do, do, boom. Kick him in the <laughs> shin really hard. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Sorry. The gods win the war, and they send all the titans to the underworld, except for Hecate. She gets to stay, and she is gifted a goddess status, somewhat, by Zeus. She gets to live among the gods, at least. She was offered a husband. She didn't want a husband. 
I didn't want him. <laughs> she didn't want him. She. They were like, Hey, Hecate, we got this handsome husband for you. And she was like, Nah, I don't want him. I'm <laughs> good. <laughs> she pleasured herself. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> she was regarded as a maiden goddess in training. So she's hanging out with Alethea who is the goddess of childbirth, working as a midwife. And this is where she first gets her dagger, which is to cut the umbilical cords, bringing new souls into the earthly realm. Surprise, surprise, Zeus, he cheats on her again. And now Alchemine, Alchemin, Alchemine, is pregnant with Hercules. <laughs> Fuck what you thought. Alchemine is Hercules' mom. <laughs> and she goes into labor. Hera asks Elethia to prevent Hercules from being born and to punish Alchemine. So Elethia concentrates and she's keeping Alchemine in continuous labor pains, preventing her from having her baby. Ow. And now there's a witch named Gail, who also worked as a midwife for the birth goddess, but she saw what was happening and she was just absolutely disgusted. So she shouts. She says, oh, look, the baby's born. (laughs) (laughs) Where? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Alethea loses her focus and out pops Hercules. Hercules. Right now, Alethea is pissed to have been duped by a human. So she takes away all of Gail's lady parts, turns her into a polecat, and damned her to forever live in nooks and crannies and gave her a grotesque way of mating. She was to be mounted through the ears and bring forth her young through her throat. Oh, that's mean. Do you know what a polecat is? It's like a weaselly creature. It's like a ferret. That's where ferrets come from. It's really funny that that came up because my mom and I were just talking about where do ferrets come from? Because she was thinking about getting a ferret, but she can't because she's got a bird. And it would eat her bird. It will eat her bird. But through her ear? What the fuck? And, but it sounds like something a piss off birth goddess would do, though, doesn't it? It's like in South Park when they poop out their mouths. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gross. It's gross. Hecate felt sympathetic for Gail, so she took her in and kept her as her familiar. And this is where the polecat depicted with Hecate comes from. Oh. Right? Poor thing, though. She's keeping her safe. She's like, yeah. I think that's a little harsh, Elethea. Um, I'm just going to take this polecat named Gale, and I'm going to jet <laughs> out here now. Gale? I want I want a ferret named Gale. <laughs> the witch Gale. Yeah, Hecate's like, fuck that shit. This is, nope. And she blows that joint. She doesn't like hanging out with that drama anymore. So she goes, she wanders the earth, and she lives in caves as a wild woman. And although she doesn't want a husband, she hooks up here and there and has oh. some kids, but manages to keep her maiden status somehow. So she uses her dagger to separate the maiden part of herself from her mother self, 
giving herself two heads. Ah. So now the dagger gains its meaning of transformation. And Hecate is now a maiden and a mother. She bears three daughters, Skyla, who is the treacherous monster. (laughs) She's a treacherous monster. Is that it? (laughs) The end. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean about her. (laughs) That's all she is. She's just a treacherous monster. She's the treacherous monster, right? (laughs) And then Circe, who is a shape-shifting goddess and sorceress with exceptional knowledge and use of herbs that she learned from Hecate. She also knows necromancy and can control the weather. Mm. Um, And then there is Medea, who is a human. She was born of a human human king. So Hecate got down with some human king and had this baby, right? But uh, Medea is a witch and a priestess and a very highly accurate oracle. So Skyla becomes this treacherous monster over a sibling rivalry. Nothing beats a good old sibling rivalry, especially when we're talking about the gods. With the necromancy sister? Yes. That one makes sense. Skyla ends up becoming this treacherous monster because of Circe. Circe had a crush on this god of the sea, right? It wasn't Poseidon. I don't, his name started with a G. I don't remember. Gregory. Exactly who it was. But she had a crush on this guy and he came to Circe for a love potion because he wanted Skyla to like him. Why would he go to her for a love potion? Well, because he didn't know that Circe liked him. He went to Circe for a love potion because she's a witch. And a very powerful one. So she makes him this potion. And she's like, yeah, here, have Skyla drink this. And she'll be in love with you. And it turned Skyla into a monster instead. Because she was jealous. Skyla, after this, she has the torso and the head of a female but she has the body of three dogs so all 12 legs and a big fish tail she was described in homer's odyssey as quote no one could see her and still be happy oh (laughs) that's terrible she turned into the savage, brutal, and baneful beast who was condemned to live in a cave near Sicily and the Strait of Messina, which is a narrow and treacherous piece of ocean that is controlled by Skyla. She sucks in the water and spits it back out all crazy-like. And if you got caught pausing too long by her cave, you were supposed to row really fast and invoke Hecate to keep Skyla from getting out of her cave and killing everyone on the boat. Oh, well, I guess I would be really pissed, too, if I look like that, because nobody will ever be happy looking at me. Those are Hecate's children. But moving on, Hecate and her wanderings, uh, she witnesses the fall of Troy. And she watched as the Trojan warrior queen Hecabe leapt into the ocean in an attempt to kill herself and Hecate transformed the queen into a black dog to save her life, but also to kind of punish her for bitching out 
you know, <laughs> get it. <laughs> she turned her into a Bitch. female dog for bitching out. <laughs> Um, so now she serves as Hecate's hound that is commonly depicted sitting loyally by her side. So Hecate's hound is the queen of Troy. Oh. Which I thought was pretty cool. That is cool. So one of the most uh, popular stories, but not always popularly told this way. Hecate is just chilling in her cave one night and she witnesses the kidnapping of Persephone. She doesn't see it, but she hears it. And she knows the truth, of course, that Persephone's father, Zeus, had conspired with Hades and enabled Hades to kidnap her. Demeter, who is Persephone's mom, is all broken up about it. She comes down to Earth, lost and wandering, looking for her daughter. Hmm. Sounds like when people talk about how often, how she often comes across to those who are lost. Hecate knows what's going on, so she goes to good old Uncle Helios for advice, because even the gods can't just go realm to realm as they please. And Uncle Helios hooks Hecate up with Hermes, the messenger god who does have the ability to cross into the underworld. They go into the under the world. Under the underworld? They go, they go under the underworld. Hey, Amanda, what you eating under there? Underwear. (laughs) (laughs) They go into the underworld with Hermes's power and Hecate's torches lighting the way to rescue Persephone. But the not so often told part of the story is how Hecate is able to bring Persephone back as Hades takes a liking to Hecate and Hecate, the wanderer that she is, agrees to take Persephone's place, at least for a time. It's opposite. Hecate spends spring and summer in the underworld, while Persephone is up top, and then they switch. Hecate is then granted passage to and fro between worlds and is Persephone's escort back and forth, though Hermes brought Persephone back the first time. Hecate refuses Hades as a partner, but she's like, well, I'll hang out with you sometimes. You got a nice thing going on. Yeah, yeah, just casual, you know, I don't want to fuck things up, you know, we got a good friendship. She she friend zones him. (laughs) (laughs) This is where Hecate uses her dagger, same as before, to give herself one more head, representing the crone, and is granted goddess status by all the gods. Hecate takes up her newly learned skill as a witch and in her chrome form becomes the gatekeeper of all the realms. Oh, the gatekeeper. She's the only one who can freely go between heaven, earth, hell, and dimensions and dimensions within earth, such as between the veils. And this is how she gains her keys. Also, interestingly, there are writings of her creating the hellhounds, or at least being accompanied by them. And Cerberus is said to be her dog. He guards the gates of hell, and she is the gatekeeper. That makes sense. That is really badass. Right? I love it. So she guides the dead around, usually those that cannot pay the toll to cross over. And she just kind of hangs out with them. I wonder what they do for fun. Well. You tell me. 
You didn't tell me. I'm going to tell you. What do they do? They come to the earth every fall. Hecate comes to the earth every fall with her little train of spirits following her around on these ghost highways that she travels and the crossroads that they all rest on. This brings me to Hecate's night, which is November 16th. You can leave offerings at a crossroads. Remember, this is where they rest. So like little cakes, wine, eggs, you can paint them if you want, garlic, and leave them at the crossroads. But don't look back when you leave because she comes and she brings her train of restless spirits with her. And supposedly, if you see them, you will go mad. She shares her offerings with the spirits. And if you leave her offerings on this night, she will take on any restless spirits that you might have hanging around your home. And she adds them onto her train. So she offers protection from restless spirits. That's cute. (laughs) I thought so. They're like her pets, too. She likes collecting pets. That is an interesting note. Well, she has Gail, the polecat, and then she has what's-her-face that she turned into a bitch. Queen Hakabe. Yeah, and then she has, well, her daughter is kind of her pet now, and she has to save people from her because she's a monster. And then um, she has Cerberus. And she's got all these little wandering, restless ghost souls that just follow behind her. Mom! Mom! Feed me! <laughs> Feed me more, Mom! Yeah. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> you can call on Hecate for protection of magic, finding the truth, for guidance, transitions, battles, and birth. As in, she oversees all aspects of birth, whether it is into this world or out of it. Or when you're wanting to look into another realm, such as with scrying or divination. Because she holds the keys in all these different dimensions. You can call on her to help with spells or curses. And if you want to offer Hecate things on your altar... She likes things like honey, garlic, marigolds, lavender, pictures of black dogs, because we're not going to go slicing and dicing little cute puppies. No, there was actually, there's been a lot of black puppies that were sacrificed in her honor. She has enough dogs. It's all right. There's another puppy. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Good shit on my floor, Cobby. Cerberus, three shits, really? Oh, God. <laughs> They'd be huge. Oh, ick. Um, let's see. You can leave her oak leaves and eggs or anything with the color orange, moonstone, or gold obsidian. Mm, gold obsidian, huh? Oh. Weird. It's almost like you just got us some of that. I did. I sure did. You did. They're very beautiful. And she has a special love for oak trees and wild roses. Wild roses and oak trees. Me too, Hecate. Mm -hmm. Me too. 
her symbols, some of them we talked about, such as the torches, the daggers, and the keys, which are for new beginnings and adventures, unlocking mysteries and abilities. But then there's the wheel, Hecate's wheel. So there are three circles in the wheel for Maiden, Mother, and Crone, but the middle circle is bent around into a labyrinth to signify the journey we all go through. There's usually a Y or an X in the middle for the crossroads or a star. (laughs) I turned the page and there was nothing. (laughs) That's it. All done. That's it. There wasn't any more. That was good, though. I like how you went back to the beginning. I heard a lot of, you know, oh, you can do this or that to honor Hecate or to invoke Hecate or to, you know, ask her to help you with spells and stuff. And she likes this and that. But I never really heard anything real clear on where she came from or who she actually is. So I thought, well, what the heck? Why not? Let's do it. Knock, knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat my poo. You eat your poo. <laughs> <laughs> I was super confused until I said it. <laughs> I eat my poo. <laughs> Only when there's nuts in it. Oh. <laughs> or corn. Just kidding. I don't like nuts. <laughs> so... I'm going to be talking about Rhiannon. Pretty sure that we all know the Fleetwood Mac song sung by Stevie Nicks about Rhiannon, the Welsh witch goddess. Kind of a tongue twister. I guess so. Welsh witch goddess. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep, couldn't, even, couldn't even say it once. <laughs> I couldn't the first time either. <laughs> say it again. Welsh wish what goddess? Were those words? <laughs> yes, they were gibberish words. The Welsh <laughs> witch goddess. <laughs> there we go. So first, I'm going to start with her story, and her story can be found in many books, many poems, many songs, but the one where. She basically originates in what we know of Rhiannon. And I'm going to butcher this, too. Mabinagan. Quit mobbing on my noggin. <laughs> no, Mabinagion. Oh, my God. It's even more than that. The Mabinagion. Okay. Mabinagion. So there's different parts to this book. And... It starts, her story starts with Pwil, and he is a king, and he goes into the forest. I'm just going to give you a little backstory on him. Um, He's a really good guy, and he goes into the forest, and somebody had shot a deer, and his dogs, his hunting dogs go ahead, and they start eating on this deer. And then I can't remember the name of the god, but it was the god of the other world, or the king of the other world. I'm sorry. It was the king of the other world, which is also like another Welsh god. And he sees these dogs and he's like, 
dude, what the fuck? Like, why are your dogs eating this deer that I just got? And Paul was like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm super sorry. And this otherworldly king, he's like otherworldly, like fairy realm. He is like, okay, well, I can make you a deal. We'll switch bodies for a full year. Because it benefited the otherworldly king because he was fighting this war. And then Puel was like, okay. And the otherworldly king told him. You need to rule as me. Like, nobody can know that you're not me. Like, we never talk about this. This is between us. This is how you're going to repay me. And don't fuck shit up. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to destroy your whole fucking kingdom. So they do it. Yeah. And he's actually, like, a really great ruler in this other world. And he goes as far as he won't even sleep with the king's wife. And she is this gorgeous, beautiful goddess of a woman. And she's, like, making advances at him. She's like, why won't my husband sleep with me? Like, kind of feeling bad about herself. And he just, he's just a good guy. And he rolls over. He's like, no, this king's going to fuck my shit up if I touch his woman. (laughs) So he's really respectful. And, like, one of these days... Within that year, he goes out and he's wandering around the otherworldly kingdom. And there's this bright white light and this music that's coming from a little clearing in the middle of the forest. And there's this beautiful woman in a white dress and long, like, golden hair. And she's singing and humming and, like, luring him to her. So first, like, he goes up to her and he was like, hello? And she turns around and she looks at him and she's the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen. And she tells him, she goes, I know that you're not King so-and-so. She goes, but I will see you again. We will meet again another time, another place. And then she disappears and it's just a normal forest. So that was their very Hmm. first meeting. And also, I mentioned this in our last episode. But Pwill has a dream that there's a badger telling him, like leading him to Rhiannon, that they should be together like it foretells the future, this badger. And I thought that was really cool. And I didn't even remember that until I was editing that podcast. And I was like, oh, I need to write that in my notes. And then he switches places with the otherworldly king and he goes back to, Pwill goes back to his own kingdom and he asks his subjects and his nobles like, Yeah, so what do you think of how I've been ruling for the last year? And they actually said like, wow, you've been the best leader that you've ever been. And so he takes note of that and he promises to continue to be a really good leader. So... He learned something from that swap, like even though he was a good guy in the other world, that king was obviously a better king than he was, so he kept on with that. So Rhiannon's story, in the Mabnet, Mabinagion. 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 <laughs> Rhiannon's father had promised her hand in marriage to Gwal against her will. Instead, she chose another, which is Pwill, who I was just talking about. She's been watching him for quite some time and is very certain about her choice. The next time that they meet, besides in that other world when she came to him, 
is on this ancient ancestral mound where it said that if you sit upon this hill, you will either be hurt or see great magic. And so Poe is like, I want to get in on this. And like he takes his right? his men and his dogs and his horses out there. And he sits on this hill. This is where Rhiannon appears to him atop a white horse with three birds flying around her. Poe takes his fastest horses and runners, which I assume are human runners. Hmm. And they try to catch up to her. And they just keep chasing her, and she just appears to be at, like, a slow canter. Like, just... And she smiles at them, and she smiles at Pwill. And he's at this for fucking weeks. Like, where him and his runners and his dogs, like, nobody can catch up to her. Nobody can even get close to her. And they're just like, what the hell? Finally, one day... Will calls out to her and just says, Hey, stop. <laughs> and she stops. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew it was that easy? And she, she goes, Why didn't you ask sooner? Oh my God. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> that is funny. I will not be caught, but if you ask me nicely, I might stop. <laughs> he was amazed that she stopped. Just like, why didn't you ask me sooner? <laughs> he finds her the most beautiful woman, and then he starts to remember that he had seen her before. And then he asks why she is there and why she is appearing to him. And she tells him that she wants to marry him. Of course he says yes. He's been chasing this woman for weeks. And she- <laughs> Stop! Yeah, that's all you had to do. <laughs> I want to marry you. No, she asked him to marry her. Oh, that's right. That's what you just said. <laughs> kind of breaking the rules, you know? Sure. He was for her. He was the one that she wanted. And they had a big feast for their wedding dinner and then at their feast there was a man everybody was having a great time and this man comes up and asks Pwill for a favor and Pwill agrees without knowing what this favor was and he has to give it to this man and it turns out to be Gwal her ex-fiance that she was supposed to get married to and guess what he asks for He wants Rhiannon back. Of course. That's Snake. Of course. And so Rhiannon, being the super smart witch that she is, she comes up with a plan. And so things go on and Gwal and Rhiannon have their wedding feast. And Pwill comes up. Or not Pwill. I'm sorry. It It was just another man, like a beggar, comes up. With this bag, and Rhiannon had magicified this bag and asked Gwal to fill up the bag for him. Like that was his request with food and whatever. And so Gwal kept putting food in, and the bag would never get full. And then the man is like, Well, you should get in this bag and, you know, make sure that we can fill it. Like, there is a way to fill it. And so Gual stupidly gets in the fucking bag and they tie the bag up and then they kick him and (laughs) 
<laughs> they make him give Rhiannon back to Pwill. Kick the can. Kick the man. <laughs> Kick the man like a can. Mm-hmm. And the nobles, okay, so they were married, Pwill and Rhiannon. And Pwill's nobles didn't really like Rhiannon. They're just like, meh. What? I don't know what it was about her. They just didn't really like her, probably because she's a woman. They were jealous. Something. They're probably gay for Pwill. One way or another, either they wanted her or they wanted him. Yeah, something. So they kept trying to get Pwill to pick a different wife. It had been a year since they'd been married, and she hasn't had a baby yet. And so they're like, something's wrong with her. And Pwill is like, no, 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 just give me another year. Give me another year. I thought that was interesting verbiage. Mm. And then so another year later, two years after they had been married, Rhiannon has a son. And when she gave birth to her son, the maids all fell asleep. And then in the morning, they woke up before Rhiannon and the baby was gone. And they were so afraid that they were going to get blamed for it. So they killed a puppy and wiped the blood of the puppy all over Rhiannon's face. And then they told everybody that she ate her newborn son. <gasps> What's the fuck? Yes. And Rhiannon was so upset because like she woke up and she had blood all over. She's like, what happened? All of these maids are telling her that she ate her baby. And she's like, that is not true. And she's pressuring them. She goes, I would never do that. Why would I eat my own child? And so they have no choice because there's no proof otherwise. She's got blood all over her face that the nobles pressure Pwill to divorce her and choose another bride. He refuses. But he does agree to punishing her for this act, even though he didn't necessarily believe it. And he keeps her as his wife. Um, so her punishment was to, this is really fucked up, was to kneel on her hands, her hands and knees on all fours like a horse next to a mounting block at the very gates of the castle courtyard. And she would have to offer any visitors a ride and tell them that she ate her newborn son after she gave birth. What? And she did this. She went along with it, even though she knew that she was innocent. She was just like, you know what? Time will prove that I am innocent. This isn't the end. Like, I will take this. I will fucking deal with all this shit. These shit people on my back. These shit fucking nobles. Whatever. It's just a small amount of time. Within the big scheme of things. Oh, that's fucking brutal, though. It is fucking brutal, but she was, she took it, like, with a grain of salt, and she was like, okay, I know I'm innocent, but fuck. Oh. This is what's happening. Yeah. And then we're going to skip to a little house in the middle of a forest, and this is on the same night that Rhiannon had her son. There's a man named Taranon. And he lives in this little house with his wife, and he has this beautiful mare. And every May Eve, this beautiful mare gives birth to a gorgeous little foal. And then by morning, the foal is gone every year. And Taranon, he just was like, no, this isn't happening again. So the night that Rhiannon's son was born, 
He stayed up all night. His wife went to bed and he stayed with this mare and he watched her give birth. And she had a beautiful foal like she always does on the May's Eve. And then this big hairy fucking hand comes through his window and tries to grab the foal. And he takes his sword and he chops off the arm. And then he runs outside to go and kill this monster that the arm was attached to. There's nothing. No monster. No trace of it besides the arm that he had just chopped off. But there's a little baby at his doorstep. What the fuck? He's like, huh. So him and his wife raised this little baby for a couple of years as their own. Oh, I know. (laughs) So this monster must have stolen this baby while all the maids were fucking sleeping, not doing their goddamn job. Bitches. And then he's trying to steal a baby horse. You know, that's what he does every May's Eve, apparently. It it never explains it in the book, but Hmm. anyway. So they have a son now, or a little baby that they're taking care of, and this little baby grows up with the foal, and he has this big love of horses. And that's kind of where Rhiannon gets associated with Aponia, the horse goddess. Okay. Well, then eventually, Taranon realizes that Prider, which is the little boy, is Rhiannon and Pwill's son. Like... Every day, he's looking more and more like Pwill and Rhiannon, and he's heard the stories that, you know, she supposedly ate her baby, and he's like, that's... Yeah, that's fucked up. No woman's gonna eat their newborn baby. Like, especially a queen. Right. Especially somebody like Rhiannon. Like, it's not like she's some swamp witch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the nobles had been pressuring Pwill to divorce her because she wasn't producing an heir and she produced a son. Why would you kill that baby? Like, obviously, that would get you killed or, you know. And the son would get you all the status that you wanted in that position. Exactly. So anyway, so he approaches Rhiannon and Pwill and he brings the child to them and they are so grateful that they offer him riches and land and food and everything that he could want and he turns it down there's a few different interpretations that i thought were really interesting like rhiannon means great goddess or great queen and Terranon means like great ruler great king and so there is a theory that Pwill was actually gay and that's why he didn't sleep with that other world king's wife okay And that's why they didn't have a baby within a year. And he was like, just give me one more year. Oh, and comes the interesting verbiage. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also the names Rhiannon and Taranon and the horse and uh, Rhiannon being associated with horses. There's also been said that like Rhiannon turns into this horse and like kind of gives birth or is just like associating that way as the horse or she it's a way for her to see her son oh because he grows oh. up with the horse oh yeah that is definitely an interesting outlook yeah i just love Rhiannon. her story goes on and Pwill ends up dying of course because he's mortal and like it's her kingdom but she gives it to her son and her son gets married and she gets married again to some other guy and those four go on 
adventures and they're like running around in the woods and having a grand old time and like all of a sudden they're trapped in this like land of nothing that's really like desolate and stuff and there's no other people that they can find the nothing yeah the nothingness but they learn to survive and then eventually they get really sick of each other's company and they're just like (laughs) ugh. (laughs) <laughs> we need to find like somebody else to talk to like this is ridiculous and they end up finding like this weird village and they find like little crops of grain and stuff and they're harvesting grain and or trying to harvest grain like they'd wait for the grain to get tall enough and then whenever they would go to get it it would all be gone and then <laughs> one day they went there again and they saw all these mice carrying this grain away on their backs and Peardery, the son, he ends up catching one of these really fat mice. And then this old man appears and he was like, you need to give me that little mouse. And he's like, no, I want to know what's going on. (laughs) Like, I want to see other people like what's happening here. And this old man, this old wizard man tells him that it was Gwal and he wanted to punish Rhiannon. Oh, he makes a comeback. (laughs) He does make a comeback and he trapped her in this world and then the kid is like, well, but what about this fat little mouse that's carrying away <laughs> the grain? Like, what's going on with that? And the guy is like, well, that's actually Gual's pregnant wife. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he needed him back. And so then they get back, you know, they get to go back to their own land and everything after that. But I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> that's Gual's pregnant wife. You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> After years of seeing nobody. So they associate Rhiannon with healing and death. It said her three birds are known to wake the dead and lull the living to sleep. Mm. And she's known to visit battlefields where people are suffering. And she will either assist in healing them or easing them into death. Okay. And so like her birds will, will help with that. She's considered... Great queen of the fairies, born at the rise of the first moon. They think of her to be very wise, compassionate, beautiful. She's also associated with poetry, music, horses. She's the maker of birds and dance. Birds and dance. Oh, that's so cute. I think that really speaks to her vibe. Mm -hmm. They also call her the white witch or the good witch Mm -hmm. because she is a healer. They say that she's associated with fertility and the waning of the moon. Letting go. Yeah. Horseshoes, gates, the wind, and the number seven. Hmm. So this is what I find interesting about Rhiannon, too, is like she wasn't worshipped as a goddess. Couldn't find any dates. If you can find dates, that's awesome. But I couldn't find any dates (laughs) to when like she supposedly was like a queen or if this is just a mythical story about a woman or if she is actually a goddess which i believe she's actually a goddess oh for sure like i believe that you can call upon her and call upon her energy and so i've already mentioned that she's associated with horses and birds obviously but she's also associated with the badger frogs dogs are puppies but that's specifically because they used a puppy to wipe blood on her face when they were accusing her of eating her child. Sure. And hummingbirds. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. And plants that Rhiannon is drawn to are 
narcissists, daffodils, leeks, pansies, evergreen trees, so all the trees that stay green all year round, sage, rosemary, and any and all white flowers. Okay. She also has scents. And it said that like when you when you invoke her and she is there with you, you might smell sandalwood, lavender, or geranium. I like that. I know. It's so light and like ooh. Yes, just passing by gently. So these are also things that you can put on your altar if you wanted to honor Rhiannon, which are the, I, like I mentioned, the plants and, you know, the sandalwood incense or lavender oil, geranium flowers. There's also gems and metals, gold, silver, tiger's eye, moonstone, red garnet, and bloodstone. Mm-hmm. I like me a good bloodstone. Me too. Who doesn't like a good bloodstone? Mm. <laughs> oh, mm. oh. Don't you like it, baby? <laughs> Don't you like it, baby? <laughs> it's getting dark in there. It is. You can just see the sweat just glistening. <laughs> <laughs> The colors that Rhiannon likes the best, obviously white and gold, but also dark green and maroon. Hmm. Interesting choice. She's known as a leader and a balancer of the feminine and masculine. She had her own land in the other world. She was a queen in her land. But she comes to the mortal world to ask Will to marry her. Yeah, she made him chase her and like waited until he said something before she actually stopped. But like, I think that's a nice balance. And he said yes. And that's how it should be. And if our world was just balanced like that, if relationships were truly balanced like that, to where it's not just like the man goes to work and he goes hunting and he builds a fire and the woman raises the kids and feeds them and like, Pays all the bills with the money that he makes. Like, if if everybody did a little bit and made it more equal, like, which we do in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's not always perfect. There's give and there's take. But in finding that right balance of the masculine and the feminine, like, the men have to do it within themselves as well as, you know, we have masculine within us just like we are feminine. Yeah, I think that's a good example of how you could call on Rhiannon energy in your life. Or if you need assistance with that, you could call on her and ask her for help. Yeah, I like that. And to honor her, hold your head high and be true to yourself. Don't apologize for stuff that you don't need to apologize for. Like if you are in, if you know in your heart That you are doing the right thing and somebody's telling you that you're wrong and you're dumb and you're stupid and like trying to shit on you. But you know, I mean, we all know, like, don't hold your head up. That honors her. Play. She likes it when you play and enjoy life and find that inner child and dance and just be free and happy. Go outside and dance in your bare feet in the wind. Go dance naked in the wind under the moon. Go skinny dipping. Oh, skinny dipping. Sing. Singing. Absolutely. Making music. Enjoying food. Make make a feast in her honor. 
like sparkly twirly birthday candles yeah like my bestie got me it just seemed like Rhiannon energy to me i saw him and i was like yep that's that's it it does it feels very much like her especially like knowing more about her too oh cute like i said in the beginning we all know the song Rhiannon by fleetwood mac and stevie nicks wrote it and she was actually inspired by Rhiannon from the book called Triad by Mary Leader. And in the book, a woman feels the spirit of Rhiannon possessing her. I really want to read this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it inspired Stevie Nicks to channel Rhiannon. Right. She actually wrote, she wrote like a musical sort of play that she never did like get published. Hmm. The way Stevie Nicks writes Rhiannon, too, it's more like like she's bringing herself into it with the myth and the story of her. So it's like weaving a web between both. And that's why I do kind of think that she channels her. If you ever watch her play live, like Midnight, I think it's called the Midnight Special. You can find it on YouTube. My dad has a DVD somewhere. <laughs> All of our dads do. <laughs> The, oh, yeah. Stevie Nicks. Yep. Come, come. <laughs> she was so fucking high in that one, though. Oh, like, no. you can tell. <laughs> she she did a lot of coke. Ew. Whatever. That was the time that they lived in. And that rock star life. Exactly. But if you watch her performances, like, they're all different. She changes the lyrics. She changes her tone. And it's like her face almost changes the way she moves. It just flows and she spins and it's like she is channeling her and she's bringing her through her music as she's honoring Rhiannon. By singing. Exactly. And if you look at Stevie Nicks, like she's such a fucking witch. Oh, oh yeah. You know it. I've always like liked her and listened to Fleetwood Mac and stuff, but I'd never really listened to the song of Rhiannon. Yeah. Like the way, that way until you would. Sing it to me like Cassandra. Yep. <laughs> I just thought you were silly. But then started to think about it. I was like, oh my God, she's a goddess. That's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Like, and her three birds. And so my experiences with Rhiannon have always felt comforting and happy. Like, once I got to know her and doing my research when you had you know, showed me that song and sang it to me enough. And I did my own little dabbling with, oh, who is this? Who is this pretty goddess? She's a lover of animals. And that's shown in like all art, described in stories and written upon in poems. She's always riding a white horse. And that just reminds me of my Amzadi. Oh. And I can definitely relate to like, you know, loving a horse and that. I don't know, it's a really special bond. And feeling free in the wind, especially when you're riding a horse, too. Like, you do feel kind of like you're flying or swimming on a horse if you've ever ridden a horse into the water. Like, that's magic. And then it was shortly after, like, I started dabbling and reading about Rhiannon or listening to things on podcasts and YouTube that a girl that I worked with asked me if I wanted three cockatiels. And I remember telling you about it. Yeah. And I was like, 
how can I not? And you're like, you have to. You have <laughs> to get them. They're three songbirds. It's Rihanna and it's her, her telling you. <laughs> yeah, you you don't have a choice here. Right? I adopted them. How could I not? To sum it all up, she's just very special. She's queen. She's a mother. She's the ultimate patience and perseverance. Like fucking offering her back to give strangers a ride to the castle and tell them a lie that she knew was not true because she knew eventually that she would be proven innocent. It would be what it was. Like, what a strong fucking woman. Like I said, so she was not worshipped as a goddess in that sense, like the Greek or Roman, like Hecate, as you mentioned, but she was cherished in like personal ways, like and connected to people. That is Rhiannon. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. I like that. And I like that you mentioned um, like the three birds with Rhiannon because both the time that I was discovering Hecate, you convinced me that I needed to go get Captain. Oh, your black doggy. Yeah, it was like around the same. Yep. And then. I had these things happening in the house where it felt like there was a black dog would like brush up against me or was coming at me around a corner and I would go to pet what I thought was Captain or Maggie and then there was nothing there. And I'm like, hmm, okay, that's kind of weird. And then another day I was going to walk into the bathroom and Sophia comes out of the bedroom and she was she just like looks around kind of puzzled and I was like, what? And she looks at me and she's like, where are Captain and Maggie? And I was like, I don't know. They're in the living room, I I suppose. And she's like, well, I don't know what to do because that was really weird because I just went to pet a black dog that brushed up against me and there was nothing there. And I was like, I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) She had it happen to her too. Interesting. Just kind of a glimpse, like around a corner or something, enough to, you know, so much so where you're like, Captain Maggie. Oh, that's fucking weird. Hmm. Yeah. Fucking weird. Before we conjure a goddess drink, I would like to mention that we do have an email. We have an email? We do. And if you want to share any goddess stories or paranormal stories or spooky or anything really any any kind of tips and tricks even for witchcraft yeah we're open to that where would you what could you um (laughs) where would i what can i i'm just so excited somebody emailed us it's our first one No, 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 no. We have an email address. Oh, I thought you meant like we have an email. I was like, no, waking my tail. I know. I would be so excited for that, too. Oh, man. I feel like a dick now. (laughs) You should. You need to email us something because this is how excited we would be to get our first email. So if you want to send us our very first special email. Where? What's the email address that you would send that to? T O O D R U N K W I T C H E S at gmail.com. 
All right. It's really that simple. And we have an Instagram and a TikTok at TOO2DrunkWitches. And we now have a Facebook page. Follow us, follow us. And that is also TOO2DrunkWitches. So, now that that's out of the way, there's something else we got to get out of the way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really sad that we don't have an email. Like, I, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really want it. You're like, we have an email. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the day where we actually do get an email. That would be really sweet. Oh, <laughs> we'd send you a very special email back and we would also read it on here. And we'd be really excited about it. (laughs) Oh, no. But as we delve into our drink, just remember, you know, don't make these drinks with alcohol unless it's legal for you to do so. We're not telling you to underage drink or binge drink. Just saying. If you wanted to conjure your very own goddess, Cassie, how would you do that? What do we call it? How do we make it? Grab a blue or a green or a black or just grab a goblet. Goblets are nice. Just grab a goddamn goblet. Grab that goblet. Grab them by the goblets. (laughs) Fill it with some ice. Oh, and you can't forget the edible glitter. Edible glitter to give it that goddess sheen. There you go. What do you think they drink, mead? Need something hard. Moonshine. Perfect for goddess drink. And set it out in the moonlight for one night. Before you drink it and drink it for breakfast in the morning. (laughs) Yes, straight. You can put a rose petal in there, something. (laughs) Some rosemary. Sage. Oh, mint. Chocolate mint. Maybe throw some strawberries in there, too. I don't know. Moonshine is pretty fucking strong. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. We still have that jar of pickle moonshine. That was hard. And it was fucking disgusting. (laughs) Summon your goddess in your goblet. You will be powerful after drinking the moonshine (laughs) that's been charged. Oh, you have to actually wake up at three in the morning to drink it. So put it out, you know, when you go to bed in the in the moonlight. And then at three in the morning, exactly three o'clock in the morning, get up. Or if you're already up, just, you know, go grab it and you just drink it. Chug it. Drunk power. That's the only power it'll give you. Drunk goddess strength. It will give you the power of drunken stagger. It'll give you the power to... Chase somebody around the world and around and around with your wiener flapping out against your legs. (laughs) With your dong sticking straight out. Point it at the one you love and just go for it. God, don't do that. Oh, well. This has been a tasty lick. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Two Drunk Witches. Send us an email, please. I wish I had some moonshine.
Sack in here. Ooh. She pleasured herself. I was gonna say I have a belly button for each belly. For each belly. For Three each belly, belly buttons. Button. It's my belly button. Button. My belly. Well, fuck. Did our internet go 